KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. Food insecurity is a big problem in this country. Now, it's a big problem when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. But now, several months into this battle with COVID-19, it's reached levels that are pretty hard to fathom. Tens of millions of people have lost their jobs, and all of this has made the work of a hunger relief organization like Phil Abundance even more critical than usual. Now, we wanted to know how Phil Abundance is dealing with what is really an unprecedented crisis. We also wanted to know how bad is food insecurity right now in our area? For this, we reached out to Sarah Hertz. She is the Senior Vice President and the Chief Development Officer of Phil Abundance, and we had a really important conversation. Give a listen. So let's kind of start off generally. The last four months, what have they been like for Phil Abundance from a demand standpoint and also from a logistical standpoint? They have been unbelievable. They have been high pressured. They have tested the capacity of our staff, both physically, mentally, uh, as well as emotionally. Um, People are tired, but determined to go on. The challenge is figuring out going on until when, I think, which is something that everyone is trying to figure out. But we have seen a huge demand for food from our 350 member agencies. And we also entered into an additional partnership with the city of Philadelphia and other partners to make sure people in the city were fed. And that was an additional 40 sites to our workload. So I would say all the stops have been pulled out for months and we don't know when we'll be able to put them back in. It is now becoming a bit of normalcy and we are trying to plan ahead. We're trying to think about what happens when the rent and moratorium ends, what happens when the $600 checks go away, how many more people is that going to be seeking food and needing the food that we have to offer them? And also logistically, where's that food coming from? That's been an enormous challenge for us. Let's just take toilet paper or the bag of rice that you were looking for in the supermarket in March and April and May, and you weren't able to get that. Well, that affected everybody. And we were equally taxed to be able to find the kinds of food that that people need so desperately here. We distributed nearly 13 million pounds of food between March 1st and May 31st. That is an 83% increase in the same time last year. I think that's a really impressive, uh, sadly impressive figure for us. And we believe we will distribute 30 million pounds at least by the end of this year, which is an awful lot of food for us. You talk about trying to plan and you mentioned as we're recording this negotiations going on for what kind of unemployment federal help continues, uh, those eviction and foreclosure moratoriums are very much in play. Can you even get your head around from a planning purpose, what the worst case scenario could be if everything, let's just say everything goes away, they don't come to an agreement. I, I I can't even really comprehend it. 
I don't think we can comprehend it either because we kept thinking it was the worst and it wasn't. If you think about, we are 50% of our agencies are still reporting that they need more food than we're currently able to provide for them. The food itself is going up in price 30% at least. So it takes more donor money to buy the same amount of food, which is another challenge. We see uh, 40% of people coming to food banks have never been to a food bank before. So those numbers are significant and they're daunting in and of themselves right now. I don't know how much higher they're going to go. We're just talking about things like how much food can we buy now and make sure we have in our warehouses in case we have similar challenges to the distribution supply that we had before. So we are actually purchasing more dry goods than we would previously pre-COVID have purchased. Uh, Pre-COVID, we really spent um, a lot of time getting donated food or purchasing what we would call, um, you know, fresh, just fresh fruits and vegetables for people and dairy. And now our agencies are really asking us to get dry shelf-stable foods. So pasta sauce, canned fruits and vegetables, you know, juices. So we, our model is really changing in order to meet the demand. I think you mentioned people that hadn't utilized the service fill abundance before. And is there a way you guys, I don't know if track's the right word, but give us some context as how you can tell you're reaching or having to help in corners and in places that previously hadn't needed help before. So we don't, we don't currently track client level data. Um, our agencies, they don't ask for ID or, or anything like, like that. Um, if people need food, we're here to provide food for them. But we are anecdotally hearing things. The first place we heard about that was seeing a 60% increase in the number of people coming for food was in Haverford on the, on the main line of Philadelphia. It's not probably the neighborhood that most people would think you would be seeing that level of increased demand. And I, I think that says a lot and reminds people that hunger is everywhere. Um, the anxiety is everywhere, the lack of health insurance, the lack of job security. It's, it's in all the nine counties if we work, it's across our, our country, right? If, if this uh, pandemic has shown us nothing, it's every possible fissure that we have in our society. Um, so we do, you know, we just hear about people, our own, our own staff, right? We um, are very committed to paying our employees um, at least a living wage, but we know that our employees have, maybe they have spouses who've been laid off or not both partners can work any longer because now they have children at home. That has a huge impact on people's ability to provide for their families. And where are they going to go get that food? They're going to go to their local food bank and anyone can go to that food bank. Has the demand been steadily higher? I mean, obviously there was a huge spike when this all started. Is there an ebb and flow now, or are you just kind of pretty consistent at that high level? So right now we're consistent at the high level. We're consistent. Um, We get feedback from our agencies on a continuous basis. We have a live survey where they they can let us know constantly what's what's going on with them and we're have good relationships 
they are still, as I mentioned earlier, 50% of them say they still need more food. So um, the high, at, you know, we're, we're maintaining high, but we're also anticipating higher because of the factors I mentioned earlier. Is there anything in Phil Abundance history that compares to this? Is the, you know, you go back to the Great Recession, 08, 09. I mean, are, I'm assuming you've blown past even those levels. Is there anything that, that, that tracks with this? So I've only been here for 18 months. Um, but I have not heard anyone say that this was like 2008. I mean, I believe this is unprecedented for us. The other thing that's different, you know, in, in 2008, 2009, there was a recession, but there wasn't uh, a complete sort of collapse of the food supply, which I keep referring to, but it's important to remember. So our financial model for many years has um, been predicated on the generosity of unbelievable donors, not just financial donors, but food donors. So we talk about our donors at Phil Abundance here in terms of pounds and dollars. Uh, my job is to make sure the dollar side is robust and healthy, but there's a whole team of people that works with the major super, the Starbucks, the Amazons, the Giants, the Acmes, you know, the, the ShopRites, um, and we get millions of pounds of food donated from those businesses normally, and that's how we source the food that we distribute. Come um, March of this year, that really pretty much all went away. I mean, we work generally at the corporate level to get enormous truckloads of food, but then we also work with individual supermarket locations and pick up that food and move it out to local food banks. And of course, all of that is gone. So we are actually needing to spend, we have quadrupled the amount of money we spend every month on food and we're still not provi- providing all the food people need. Try as we might. That kind of takes your breath away when you hear it in, in those kind of terms. So a- another way I, I like to think about it, um, I'll take your breath away again. Uh, donors, financial donors have been unbelievably generous. And it's actually very moving uh, very powerful for staff to see the commitment of our donors. We have a wall in, in our office of letters people have sent to us that I invite my colleagues to come and look at when they need a, a moment to regroup. Um, because we've been open the entire time, I should say that we're an essential service and we have not closed for one day. Uh, in fact, we asked our staff uh, if they would like us to close for one day so they could catch their breath and they declined the offer to do that. Uh, But to go back to my original point, we have seen um, a 60% decrease in um, donations um, from through April through June. At the same time, we were seeing a 60% increase in demand for food. So do we, we, we have numbers that tell us the unemployment rate and we, you know, you can argue about what workers, it doesn't include stuff like that. Obviously, the poverty rate drives hunger as well. Is that something you guys are looking at to, to, to help your planning? And if so, what are you seeing with that type of stuff? So we're not seeing anything good. We're, we're not seeing anything that's saying something is going to shift uh, to the positive here. We're seeing the same data that you're seeing. Um, you know, unemployment is increasing uh, schools are probably not going to open so people can't go back to work even even if they could. 
Um, you know, the fact is, this is not necessarily COVID related, but the, the fact that the, the Pennsylvania state minimum wage is $7.25, uh, even pre-COVID, 40% of the people who visited one of our food banks were employed, but they still couldn't earn enough money to support themselves and let alone their children. Uh, and that has to factor into everything that we do. So I, I would love to see something that said, yes, we're turning a corner here, but every time we turn a corner, it seems to be down the, the, the wrong path of the maze. How are you guys doing when it comes to the volunteers? I know you guys have a, a strong group of volunteers, but I know early on when I did a couple of interviews, there was a concern because a lot of them tend to be older and obviously health concerns. So uh, you're falling short, maybe personnel wise has is that something that has stabilized or is it something you have just kind of had to adjust and deal with going forward? So right now it has actually stabilized and I really appreciate the question because it does give me an opportunity to give a shout out to all of our amazing volunteers. Um, and they are the lifeblood of our food distribution operation and they have been. So when COVID came, we did need to reduce the number of people we could have on a shift to ensure right, social distancing and all the appropriate health measures. And we have had uh, volunteers coming in. We have had reduced shifts. And again, we don't have enough food. So um, we norm I just walked through the warehouse the other day and I was really keenly aware that I had not in my 18 months here seen the shelves looking um, quite like they are looking now. Um, but we are beginning to order food in order to, to stockpile it and get ready for the next wave or surge, if you will. Um, a lot of our agencies now are actually asking, saying that they don't necessarily want the food boxed up, which is what our volunteers would do for us. They would take these huge containers that we would get from um, food drives that companies or you know, radio stations or whoever would have for us. And they would sort through all that food and pack it up to get out to our agencies. We're not having those sorts of food drives anymore, right? Because people aren't gathering in places where they can drop off food. Um, we're encouraging people to go to philabundance.org and participate in virtual food drives, which is a, you know, a fun, competitive, no contact way to help us raise money for the food we need most badly. So that, that's how we've pivoted there. We do have core volunteers who are still coming in. Um, but our agencies now are saying, don't even pack the food. Just give us the dry goods and give us the cartons or the bags and we'll take care of it ourselves. So there are many ways in which we are rethinking the way we have traditionally worked. Have there been any, you mentioned earlier to kind of give some context, how many people from the main line that you were helping to kind of show that this is outside the normal parameters. Are there any anecdotes or any personal stories that you or your staff have shared that would kind of let us know how important the work you're doing is, but also maybe how dire boots on the ground situation is? Um, that's a that's a great question. Um, I will tell you a lot. One of the things I can tell you is we get a lot of donations, financial donations from people who um, say that they have experienced food insecurity themselves and know what it's like and are sharing it with others. We got many, many, many uh, stimulus checks from people who felt 
that um, there were other people who could who could use that money more than than they did. Um, we are um, always working with our agencies to respond to a need wherever they may see it. We have helped set up um, drive through the contactless distributions you mentioned earlier throughout Montgomery County to help that community. Um, and primarily what we see is just an overwhelming sense of gratitude from people who um, are also aware that there is a stigma related to not being able to provide for them themselves or, or their family. How is, and you kind of talked about this, having the, the, the wall of, of letters that sometimes when the staff needs a moment, because I, the work you're doing is so important and the challenge you're facing is so tall. Overall, how is the staff holding up? Especially when you kind of look through it through the prism as we talked at the very beginning, like you don't know when this is going to get better. And that, and one thing I've noticed in people that do work, and this is purely anecdotal, people that do work in your field, one of the, the characteristics, no matter how much good they do, they always feel like there's more they should do. And I would imagine that is very difficult to deal with in our current moment. So I think that's a great question. I appreciate your asking it. Um, I think as you know, someone who spent 30 years in the nonprofit world, I actually, in the beginning of COVID, I could not help but compare it to the AIDS crisis, which is where I first started to work in the sector. And both the, the fear, the stigma, but also the energy and the outpouring of support from the community to help each other. Uh, that's been amazing. And it's also driven a lot of the energy that we find among our staff. Um, but they are tired. They do have their own concerns and anxieties about, you know, our truck drivers are out and about. How can we keep them safe? We've made enormous investments in cleaning our facilities, in PPE for our staff, in ensuring that people know how to wear their, their masks properly and sort of making sure people are as safe as we can possibly make them. And also as a member, sort of, of the leader of the organization, I want to make sure that people feel good about coming to work. And there is a sense of collegiality here. I think, you know, sometimes that those negative stressful situations bring people together. It's Phil abundance has always been an amazing place to work. It's just a super duper amazing place to work right now. And as I mentioned earlier, you, know, you give, you offer people a chance to not work for a day and they don't take it. So let's mobilize the troops, people that are listening to this and they want to help. What do you want them to do? If they have no idea where to start, but they know they want to help, what should they do? What they should do. Um, they should um, think about whether they have the resources to support our work financially. Our buying power uh, is basically stronger because of the volume that we buy in than most ordinary um, individuals and cons consumers can buy. So if you were going to buy food and give it to us, we can actually buy in multiples of what you would be able to buy with your dollar. We can buy with ours. If you can support us on a monthly basis, that helps us plan and be able to budget and know what we're going to have from month to month. That would make a huge difference. If you're interested in volunteering, 
you can go to philabundance.org. In fact, you can go to philabundance.org for all of this information. Um, we do need volunteers. Sometimes still our agencies need volunteers and we can help you um, with that as well. Um, you know, all the normal things that we would ask if you're, ha- if you're employed and your company has a matching gifts policy, please, can you direct that matching gift to us as well? And um, I would ask people like to do their homework, to think about SNAP benefits and the value of SNAP benefits. And if they you know, feel SNAP benefits are significant, which they are, food banks only can make up like 10% of what the federal government can purchase and do. That can really help us as well to, to use your voice. It can help everyone in, in the hunger community. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 